The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Hello and uh, welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by my colleague, Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is Jim Wonderman of the Bay Area Council, uh, which is a business advocacy group and uh, is involved, obviously, in the business and economic climates of the Bay Area and beyond. But we wanted to chat with Jim today about the impacts on business of COVID-19, of the pandemic. Jim, welcome. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. No, thanks, John and Tim, for having me. I appreciate it very much. I love, uh, love your uh your program, and uh, you know we're big fans of uh, Capital Weekly. Great, uh, we can use that as an advertisement, can't we, Tim? Exactly, there's a little <laughs> promo spot here. So, Jim, what um, what's the what's sort of an update, a status report in the Bay Area now in terms of businesses trying to get back to normal because of all the stuff that's going on now? Yeah, well, businesses are certainly trying, and it is a trying time. We've had uh, over a hundred thousand. I think we're around one hundred fifteen thousand layoffs uh, and furloughs that have come through so far. So it's a huge hit to our regional economy, and you know you can feel it all over. And um, there's in, there's uncertainty about the future because there's uncertainty about the virus, and it's hitting many aspects of the economy. Some worse than others. But, uh, you know, certainly there are sectors that are you know, where folks can't, couldn't go home to work, you know, areas like hospitality and uh, entertainment, uh, you know, health, the healthcare sector has been really hard hit because of the shifts that, uh, you know, particularly hospitals have had to make to address this. So it's, it's kind of, a, you know, hits different parts differently, but it's bad. And, uh, you know, it's the question is, is what will the recovery look like? Will it be, you know, will it happen quickly? Will it happen slowly? Will it happen anywhere near completely? You know, these are big unanswered questions. And any time when you have uh, uncertainties, it, you know, causes a lot of problems for business. The um, unemployment rate, the, the level of unemployment claim, claims has gone up dramatically. And nationally, uh, it's just through the roof. Uh, in California, at least in the Bay Area, it looked like the unemployment numbers were pretty favorable. Is that sort of the calm before the storm? I, I was looking at 3.1% regionally in the area. Is that something that you're expecting to change dramatically as we get more data coming in from who's applying for what? Well, you know, we, again, we, we now have seen over 100,000 unemployment claims just in the Bay Area in an eight-week period of time. So that 3.1%, three, that's from before. Uh, COVID-19. I don't know what the percentage is at this point. Uh, I don't know if we've been as hard hit as other areas. Uh, I, it could be worse than some and better than others, and it depends on which part of the Bay Area you're looking at. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are out of work at this point, and uh, there's a lot of struggle that's going on, and it's unclear what the recovery will look like in certain sectors after that. It's just really hard to tell. Um, and, you know, we've seen some companies that were the, you know, really growing fast, you know, companies like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb, uh, those are all headquartered in San Francisco that were doing really well and growing a lot. And they've laid off large numbers of employees, you know, big portions of their workforce. Are those jobs coming back when the economy comes back? If so, will they come back here? 
uh, in California? Will they go somewhere else? You know, th those are pretty big unknowns. So, uh, you know, I, I think the economy is going to look different in the future. The way people work is going to look different. The commercial real estate uh, sector is a question mark because a lot of people are going to be working differently. And, you know, I think there's going to be some adjustment. Twitter announced uh, Jack Dorsey announced that there would be people working from home at Twitter from now on, like all the people were most. And so, you know, there's a lot of questions about what this economy is like uh, once the virus uh, is, is in a different position. And it, we don't even know when that will be. I'm wondering if we're gonna keep some of the habits that we form during this time uh, and we carry those forward even after we can go out. I, I'm getting more used to working from home, for example, and both Tim and I are in a, have a job situation where we can work from home if we need to. And a lot of people we know work from home already and did before the, before the coronavirus. But I'm wondering if um, after this is all said and done, if there'll be more of a stay-at-home work situation anyway for a lot of people. Maybe this is a permanent change we're going to see. Well, we, we just did a survey of our members, uh, and they, they're in every sector. We have about 350 members uh, in, in virtually every sector, and, and I think it was about 130 of them or so responded to this survey, so it's, it's, it's a pretty good, good across-the-board result. 20% uh, were looking at having people work at home long-term coming out of this, 20%. And almost 70 80% of them were saying, you know, a portion of the folks are going to be working from home. There'll be staggered ways of conducting business in the offices. Some people work some days and some people work other days. So things are going to be markedly different in the future. It could be a good thing. It might provide relief from our famous uh, traffic problems. could be. Uh, but it's, it will be different. And it will have other, you know, will have other impacts because when people don't go to work, uh, in, a, in an office area, you know, that area, uh, retail, the sandwich shops, the restaurants in that area are going to suffer from that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of the, re you know, there's just a lot of uh, impacts which haven't been seen yet, but it's not going to look the same. Uh, I think we need, and, and, and maybe that's good in some ways. We just did a webinar early today with uh, healthcare leaders, hospital leaders, uh, also Dr. Uh, Ghali, who was the Secretary for Health and Human Services for the state. And, uh, you know, it's very clear uh, digital health care is going to be a big thing. And so people have, had, have been forced to uh, take their doctor's appointments uh, digitally. That's something that the healthcare industry talked about before but didn't do too much about. But they've done it now because they've had to do it. Will we be going back to people going to the doctor's office for their visits? And what, you know, how, how much? Uh, not, not known. What kind of, um, you mentioned webinars. What? kinds of responses do you get when you do webinars, when you hold webinars? I know they were around before the, the pandemic, but more and more people are doing now because really they need to. But you, you get the same kind of response yeah. you would, you know, that you get from a face-to-face, mano-a-mano conference? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we're a regional group in a region that's, you know, fairly, fairly large and, you know, with a bay in between and usually some pretty congested bridges and, and, and train systems uh, that carry folks. So we're limited in the meetings that we have, which are frequent in-person meetings, by the number of people who are willing to go from, you know, we're, we're headquartered in San Francisco, so our members are certainly in Silicon Valley, but they don't necessarily want to take a drive 
or take Caltrain up, all the way up and back. And so, you know, depending upon where we hold, hold a meeting, sometimes we'll hold a meeting in the East Bay or in Silicon Valley, the folks from that area tend to come to those meetings and then it really drops off after. With our, with our digital uh, platform, uh, people show up no matter where they're from. They don't care about that anymore. And so we get much, much larger attendance at our meetings. And I think this is a trend for the future. And I don't think we're going back. So we may have, you know, once we're allowed to hold in-person meetings, I suspect we will. Uh, but I think we're going to integrate that with web, you know, with, uh, you know, web, web based presence so that if you can't physically make it to the meeting, uh, you know, you can still uh, check into it. And that, that might impact the people who actually do show up in person because now they can have remote access. So we'll have to see about all that. But I, I think this is going to be a big shift uh, in our society now. And we're going to have to either welcome it or uh, deal with it. I think it'd be really funny now to go you say we could go back, I mean, do what we did before and go back to a normal life situation. It would, I would feel really funny going into a large group of people. It just, it doesn't feel right now. We've had so many uh, restrictions, so many uh, causes for concern. Now to go into a park with a bunch of people running around or go into a store with a bunch of people or to a reception, that would feel real funny to me. No, I think a lot of people are going to be confronted when we do go back and, you know, everybody's going to be wearing a mask. You know, what's it going to be like to be in an office trying to separate ourselves from folks uh, and, and wearing masks and not have that kind of collaborative space uh, with, with groups of people the same way, where we actually discourage it rather than encourage it. One of the things we found in our survey was that well over 70% of employers, I think it was 78%, said that physical space uh, for 78% of employees will be changed. In other words, if you work in a, a particular location, when you go back there, you won't be in the same place anymore. You'd be somewhere else in order to accommodate the requirements that uh, companies are going to have to lay out to meet the uh, demands of the situation that we've got. So that the employees may not like that. You know, hey, well, I, I used to sit over here. I, I could, you know, I had a window. I had a you know, an office, I had access to other people I like to work with, and now I don't have it. So there could be some uh, consternation uh, in, the, in, in, in companies and organizations about just the way we work um, that's going to be different. Now, are you, uh, you said you had a webinar call with uh, Secretary Galley, and did you get any insights from him on when there will be more openings, and obviously the governor has been loosening things a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Did you get any insight from the secretary about about what the next month or few months are going to look like as far as the guidelines from the state? Well, you know, one of the major guidelines from the state, you know, we heard yesterday from the governor saying that you know he's going to leave it more up to the counties individually as to how fast they want to move. So I think that's one thing that's changed that we want to keep our eyes on. The secretary talked a lot about the second wave and being very conscious that we, we're because we're talking about the impact on hospitals from COVID-19 and the fact that hospitals have lost huge portions of their revenue by having to shut down what they normally do and the patients they regularly see in order to prepare for a surge in patients of COVID-19 patients, which in the first round didn't really show up very much. So on the other hand, um, predictions are that, you know, come, come the fall, 
we'll see a second wave of this maybe combined with influenza and you know we'll have the hospitals will have to go back and again change their operations and so forth and so he's really kind of focused i think on making sure that that capacity is in place come the fall i, I think that's a big big issue uh, in the meantime i think there's a lot of pressure you know, coming from the business sector to say, okay, it's time to go back. You know, we can't handle the economic fallout of having, you know, 20% plus of our workforce, uh, you know, out. The cost to society, the cost of individuals, uh, which typically hit, uh, you know, folks at lower income harder than anybody else. Uh, it's just not a sustainable thing. It's, it's one thing to do it for, you know, a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. Uh, in our in our survey, we you know one of the things we found is our employers were very supportive of the governor, of the uh, county health officers who took uh, aggressive action to get people into shelter in place and close down a lot of these businesses and the governor closing bars and restaurants. We're supportive of that, but the the companies also said they've only got a month or two left before you know a, another big round of layoffs would come you know, that they can't really handle economically this to keep going. And it stands to reason that that's the case. So I think it's incumbent upon, you know, all of us, you know, to figure out the best and most safest ways of getting people back as soon as we can, because uh, we're really hurting people. Um, you know, either way, people are hurt. So you know, we've got to be really smart about this. And, um, you know, it's not without risk. If, you know, if, if, the, if the goal of this is to just absolutely in all cases, minimize risk at the expense of anything else, then, you know, I think, you know, we could be in for a world of hurt economically uh, and competitively. Well, not to be Debbie Downer, but have you and your uh, organization done any research about how many people would actually come back? I know that even if, uh, even if they said I could go to a restaurant tomorrow, I probably would be unlikely to go. And I know that there have been instances in other states where they did open things up. There was a it was in Florida where there was a, a small chain of bars opened up and they thought, oh, well, we expected to have maybe 10% of our normal flow. And they said that the whole weekend there were two people in the bar, which is obviously not sustainable. So that would be something where the county or the governor could say, go ahead and open up. But if no one shows up, that doesn't do any good. Do you do you have any insight on on what your membership thinks about that or thinks the likelihood of, of that is as being a big concern? You know, I, I don't, you know, we haven't tried to uh, ask that question. I don't know that you can really expect an honest answer that, uh, you know, that actually that applies to what will actually happen. I, I do think that it's going to be slow at first because people are going to be very cautious. They'll probably want to see other people do it before they do it. Uh, we're being preached to day and night about how, how deadly the virus is and all the different ways we can go about getting it and the precautions we need to take. And so that really runs counter to them saying, hey, you know, take me out to the ball game." you know. And By the way, I think the governor did say pro time. sports could resume on June 24th, speaking of uh, the ball game. <laughs> You're right, but not with fans in the stands. Exactly, yeah. So that question is, and, uh, you know, we're going to be, you know, our, the, the owners of the professional sports teams in the Bay Area are all members of my board. And we're going to be having a conversation at our Pacific Summit that we hold on June 5th, uh, which if any of your listeners are interested in, uh, www.bayareacouncil.org. 
uh, will uh, be able to access that. So uh, we'll be having that conversation with those folks to determine uh, what are the plans? What are you thinking? How long will this take? What steps uh, should should the government be taking? Uh, because these are national pastimes. These are you know things that are so important in the community. And to imagine that it could be you know we could be so far off before we return to you know these signs of normalcy to be able to participate this way. So um, you know, but I do think it's going to take time. And we need to be patient about it. I, uh, you know, a lot of questions are asked about mass transit. Well, so right now, all mass transit systems are operating at around, you know, somewhere between two and at best ten percent capacity. Local bus systems may be around ten percent, and wow. they, you know, I'm the chair of the Bay Area's ferry system. We're at two percent, and we were growing every month for years and years, and now we're at two percent. So, it w what will happen when folks are allowed back to work? and in effect allowed back on transit, uh, will they use it or is everybody going to try to operate their own vehicle, you know, and do exactly the opposite of what we've been preaching, I guess now for generations, which is for people to get out of their single occupant vehicles, take transit, carpool, those things, just run directly counter to what we're telling them. So, uh, you know, getting people back uh, into transit is really important in our region because a lot of people do use it. And if they don't use it, we will. We could end up with a, even with a sour economy, we could have that major traffic jams. That would be a bad combination. That would. Um, San Francisco was among the first, maybe even the first, city to do a to require a shelter in place and to sequester. Looking at that now, after a couple of months, was that a good idea? Uh, did it help or hurt or neither? Yeah. So the the. Um... The, you know, it was done by six counties at one time um, were the, you know, were the ones who did it. And um, San Francisco was one of those six, although I think London Breed, uh, you know, I think may have been the first to actually announce it. And, um, you know, I think it worked really well. I think it was uh, brilliant uh, that, you know, what really happened was particularly in Santa Clara County, uh, the numbers were really high and rising. And so th that trend there, I think, inspired the other county health officers to all, first of all, get together and talk about the trends that they were seeing. And of course, we were seeing things happening, you know, in other parts. We had the benefit of seeing what had happened in Italy and what had happened in China uh, as much as we could see. And, and so they made a very aggressive decision. And the governor was there as well. You know, the governor announced, you know, the closing of bars and restaurants in the state. Uh, so essentially you know, they they kind of took off on that and went for the shelter in place. And as a result of that, you know, I don't know how many thousands of lives were saved as a result of that, but I think it's in the thousands, uh, if, not, if not the tens of thousands. Because if you look at what happened in uh, New York City, uh, which is a, a denser place, but we, you know, we have some pretty dense urban environment here in the Bay Area, um, you know, things just went completely out of control. So I, I really congratulate the, the county leaders, the, certainly the county health officers, you know, Mayor Breed, Mayor Schaft, Mayor Licardo in the Bay Area, and other mayors, um, Mayor Arkin in Berkeley, uh, you know, for acting quickly. Um, now, you know, but it's one thing to close things down. It's another thing to open things up, and it's challenging. So, you know, there are certain parts of society we never 
could shut down. You know, we call these essential services, essential workers. And then there was some that was sort of on the bubble. And we, we over time, allowed them back. We rewrote the rules a little bit to, you know, based on what we were learning about what was needed just to keep society going during this period. So now we're loosening up more and we're saying that in stage two, other folks can come back, uh, but others can't. And so it's up to the counties to be able to weigh the impact of this, set the trajectory for it, uh, and take into account all of the interests that are out there in industry uh, as to at what pace to move and where, and where to focus and where to resist. And I think it's one of the hardest jobs I've ever seen government have to take on because uh, there's no easy answer to this and there may be no right answer to it. Uh, we need to work. We all need to really work together. If ever there was a time for serious collaboration, uh, this is that time. Get society to work together, not, not be finger pointing. And, you know, in the Bay Area, Prior to the, uh, the, the onset of COVID-19, we had a very, very strong economy, but a very negative view of our own region, an increasingly uh, strong uh, on the wrong track over the right track, as taken by the pollsters. Uh, I don't know what those numbers are now, but I would bet you that you know now that we have a terrible economy, that uh, folks are much happier about the direction the Bay Area has taken. And I think that's because, uh, and I'm surmising this, is they feel like their leaders took charge and did the right things and the public uh, went along and, and provided a lot of support. Uh, now that we've reached this point, it's getting harder because this, the effect of the decision is weighing more and more on the populace and on business. And you know, we've, we need to figure out how to get back and do it in a way that makes sense and you know, isn't overly risky. So uh, you know, that's what's before us now. But I, I, I see it as a real chance for us to kind of bring, bring us together rather than apart uh, and, and show how California, you know, so far we showed how California can do it uh, compared to other places. And let's show how California can continue to do it by bringing back the economy uh, stronger than ever, smarter than ever. So now speaking of reopening businesses and industry and the conflicts there between industry and the local governments. Is Tesla one of your members? Can you speak to that uh, dramatic episode from last week? Oh, high drama, Tesla. So Tesla is actually not a member. Uh, I guess they're not joiners. Although years ago, we had a fund called the Bay Area Equity Fund, uh, which was a, a social and environmental double bottom line fund. And I won't bore your listeners, but it's an investment fund. And we invested in Tesla. This goes way back to the early 2000s. We were one of the first uh, folks to invest in the crazy idea of an electric car company in California. Well, uh, from an investor perspective, this worked out very, very well. Our investors were very, very happy uh, with that decision. And it, what we didn't know at the time uh, was that it would really uh, become such a big manufacturing operating company here in our own region. And we certainly did encourage Tesla. Uh, we do have relationships there and we encourage them to look at the closed Fremont plant as an opportunity to open their plant, and they did that. And um, now there's 10,000 employees or more that work in that plant every day. And so the economy of that part of the Bay Area in the city of Fremont is very, you know, very hooked into, you know, what's happening at that plant. And there's a whole supply chain coming out of that plant that goes into the Central Valley and up the Central Corridor. And so there's a lot 
there's there's more to it than just the plant itself. So we we you know felt that um, you know what we're seeing was that the governor had said we're going to head to stage two. He said counties could go slower. Our Bay Area counties immediately raised their hands and said we're going to go slower. Uh, Elon Musk said you know, it's been slow enough already. We need to get these people back to work. And then the dispute ensued. In fact, you know, the Scott Haggerty, who's a supervisor in uh, Alameda County, was already working with Tesla uh, to, to try to kind of broker a deal so that we could get past this. And I think we're probably pretty close, but, you know, for uh, reasons that are probably understood best by, by Elon Musk, and, and, and people close to him, they decided to file a lawsuit against Alameda County and they started sending people back to work. And we had this whole big hoo-ha over it that was, you know, made for great media. You know, what I said was, look, uh, we should value this plant. You know, this is the kind of this is the kind of thing it's not easy to get here in California, manufacturing and manufacturing something that's of high value to society, an electric car something that really does something about greenhouse gases, just doesn't talk about policy, but actually uh, makes it happen. And, you know, it's a, it's a place of innovation and ingenuity. And so, you know, what we said is, let's work this out. We encourage Alameda County to work it out with Tesla. We encourage Tesla to work it out with, uh, with Alameda County. They did a day later, and they came to an agreement. But, uh, you know, a lot of hard feelings. And, you know, it's somewhat a proxy for what a lot of people are feeling about, you know, their own businesses, small businesses, medium-sized businesses that are sidelined. And, you know, some people probably feel, well, Tesla is a big giant and they have a lot of power and, you know, we're able to do this and what about us? But I also think you could look at it as, you know, they set the stage for things moving at least a little bit more diligently or quickly, you know, to recognize the fact that, uh, you know, we, we do need to get people back to work. We, we can't continue, um, you know, for much longer this way. It's going to be impossible. Do, do you think he's here to stay? Uh, do you think Tesla's here to stay? One of the issues that came up over the last week or so was Tesla wanting to pull up stakes and bail out of the state. He was tired. He wanted to get out of here. He already apparently is selling properties around the state. It's sort of like he's liquidating assets. you think he's in here for the long haul or is he... Uh, is he on his way? I don't know. Uh, you know, I would take him seriously. You know, some people, when he said that, said, well, he's just manipulating and negotiating. And I, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, California is a tough place for manufacturing. It's a tough place in general, you know, compared to other states to do business. You know, that said, there was, they started the company here. An opportunity arose to start the plant in Fremont, close to the headquarters. You know, there's advantages to doing that. It grew up probably faster than anybody could have imagined. And you don't just get up and move a plant of 10,000 people uh, overnight to another place. So I don't, I don't know if the issue is immediate, but he's made it very, very clear that he's frustrated with our state, uh, that he, you know, he's not feeling the love and, you know, other states would be thrilled beyond belief to be able to attract that plant there. And they'll put huge amounts of money into training folks in their communities to have these jobs. And what it'll mean is that people who are here in our state uh, will, uh, 
either have to move if they can, or they'll be out of a job. And, and, you know, because, because the state and the local governments weren't able to get along with somebody who's not an easy person to get along with when it comes to the way he thinks about his business. So, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously I run a very a, a business association that includes mostly, although we have public agencies that are members of, of the Bay Area Council, most of the members are from the private sector. They're big businesses. And they, uh, you know, for the most part, love to be in California because it has so many advantages. There's so, there's so much here that's good. But when it comes to the business climate itself, taxation, regulation, uh, the legal framework, uh, it is, uh, it is tough. And, you know, we make it, we make it tough on our businesses. And in a situation like this, where you have COVID-19 and you lose these jobs, then the question you have to ask yourself is, are they coming back? Or will a company, once it makes the move to reduce the headcount in a place, uh, say, well, maybe now we need to rethink the strategy because, all right, we've sort of gotten over the hump, you know, forced, our hand was forced by COVID-19. So I'm very concerned about that. And I, you know, some folks are going to say, well, you know, we've now got these major deficits in state and local governments. And so the solution, the cure for this, of course, is to raise taxes on business uh, in order to kind of keep things whole. And I, you know, I wrote an editorial uh, last week about this and said, no, you know, that's not a good solution, nor frankly are, uh, you know, making deep cuts in services that people need at a time of pain. And that, you know, the, the solution we should be really looking at now is some kind of a, of a, of a financing, a bond, I call it an economic recovery bond, but you could name it what you like, would uh, carry us through the next couple of years as the state counties, cities are working through what will be crisis issues in local government. And, uh, you know, I hope that folks take it seriously because, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, it's, it's another opportunity for folks to come together uh, and solve a problem. It's really a temporary problem. This virus is temporary. Fortunately, it's not with us forever, uh, at least not like this. And but the impacts economically are here. They're also temporary. And so let's not have long term paying more taxes or cuts that are hard to recover the cuts, uh, you know, and just kind of come back. Uh, let's, let's do something that makes sense for, for a situation like rent. Uh, Jim, one last question. You, um, you're sequestered like the rest of us. Uh, how are you dealing with it? What's your, what's your day like that is different than it was before? How, what's your routine as you go through the day and run this outfit? Well, you know, interestingly, I was planning to take off the month of April because my wife uh, was uh, planning to have a baby at the end of March, beginning of April, which uh, she did. And uh, I was going to be home and the rest of the people who work at the Bay Area Council, which is headquartered in San Francisco, they would be there. But the way things went was I was home and they were home. So my paternity leave, I call it now a mitigated paternity leave because uh, I was not able to stay away as much as I planned from what was going on uh, with the organization, also because, you know, because of the COVID crisis itself. Uh, now that we're into the second month in May, I'm, I'm not on paternity leave anymore. I'm home, but I'm still home and they're still home. Uh, but there's a six week old baby in the house. And, uh, and so it's, it's an interesting family. It's, it's kind of a good family time. And, and I think if, 
you know, for me, I was kind of fortunate that if this had to happen, this was probably a good time for it to have happened because my wife needs me uh, to help with the baby. Uh, since we can't have other people co coming over to help, you know, it's sort of me and her and the child and another child. And so we're, you know, it, it hasn't been so bad. But, I, you know, I had a staff call um, and asked folks, how is this for you at this point? Because we're going to be like this for a while. We didn't know in the beginning how long this would last. And it's seeming like the, the orders are going to be for businesses that where people can work from home, work from home. And I could imagine that this is going to go on for a while. So, you know, the, the working situation for different people is different depending upon the way you live, who you live with. If you have roommates versus a family, things like that all have impacts. For me, for me it's been okay. Um, a little lonely, a little feeling of out of control, you know, that I don't get to see everybody. Uh, but, you know, we, there is Zoom and, you know, we have a lot of meetings and we're work, everybody's working really hard. I can tell you the Bay Area Council is working really hard on making sure that uh, we have a recovery in the Bay Area and that we're dealing with the effects of this, this virus and that we're, you know, we're being as helpful as we can in the ways that we can. Great. Jim Wonderman, thank you very much. We'll end on that positive note. Jim, thanks again for your time and for chatting with thanks us. Thanks very much, Jim Foster, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, John. And this is John Howard saying we'll see you next time around.